your Bibles, if you would, and open to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 6. And if you would, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to begin in my kids' favorite Bible verse. Verse number 1. They've been asking me to preach on this. And we, we, we teach it a lot at home, but they wanted me to preach it. So Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse number 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect in, of persons with him. Much of our lives is covered in these nine verses. The passage deals with what would have been maybe a typical family in those days, children and parents and slaves and their masters. And tonight I want to just dig a little bit into these verses and hopefully find some application for all of us. There's nothing more important than the family. And as we look around our culture and much of the wickedness and just uh, condition of society, much of it can be traced back to a lack of family structure, children without fathers and children without mothers, and families that are divided and split apart. And as Christians, nothing is more valuable that we can contribute to society than to have godly families. And uh, so we're going to look at that tonight, our relationship with our families, relationship to God, and how our relationship to God really um, determines our relationship with our families. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful to be in your, in, in your house amongst your people tonight, and we just are looking forward to a time of reading and studying your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what you would have for us today. We know that you are the author and that you are able to communicate to us exactly what you want us to hear. So I pray that, God, you would just bind all distractions tonight and help every, every person in this room or even those who are watching from their homes or somewhere else, Lord, that we would be focused on your word and we would be just ready to hear and ready to apply these things to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So he begins with children in verse number one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's a very simple command 
really. Um, and yet, there, I think there's more to it than we might see with just a, a casual reading. The first thing he says is, children, obey your, par- obey your parents in the Lord. These are three really important words that we could overlook if we were not careful. Obey your parents in the Lord. And so I asked the question, is it possible then, if we're to obey our parents in the Lord, is it possible that for children to obey their parents but not to do it in the Lord? And I would say the answer is yes. That's why there is a command to obey them in the Lord. So what does it mean to obey in the Lord? It it means that our relationship to the Lord directly affects the our um, obedience to parents. A child's relationship to the Lord is directly affecting how they would obey their parents. It means that a child is not obeying his parents because he doesn't want to get grounded. He's not obeying his parents because he wants to look good maybe in front of one of his siblings. He's not obeying his parents even just because he doesn't want to hurt his parents. He doesn't want to harm their, hurt their feelings. But he's doing it because of the Lord. He, he understands, this child understands that submission to his parents is really submission to the Lord. And as we obey parents, we're obeying him as well. This implies, obeying in the Lord implies that these children are in the Lord, that they are saved. It implies that children can be saved, that children must be saved, and then they're obeying because of the Lord and in the Lord. They obey them because of the Lord. And this is critical for you young people to understand because, and let me just, let me just back up and, and say to anyone who might be reading this and think, well, I'm no longer a child, I'm now 14 years old, or I'm now 15 years old, I'm no longer a child, so I'm, I'm glad that I can finally look, kind of get past this verse. Because if you are living with your parents and you're under the authority in the home of your parents, then you are still, biblically speaking, a child. And this would apply to you as well, whether you're in 7th grade or in 10th grade or in 12th grade. And so if you're here and you are, if, if that applies to you, then everything that we're reading today, you should, you should really take as yours and... and, and allow it to affect you. If you have parents and you're living under their care, then you are, in this sense, you're a child. And so understanding the importance of obeying in the Lord is critical because you will not always think that your parents are deserving of being obeyed. And sometimes it's, it, it's possible that your parents may even act in such a way that is not a godly way to act. And you may look at them and say, look at the, the way that you're acting. I don't have to obey you. Look at, look at how you're acting. But, but, what the, but, the, but the principle is that we're to obey them in the Lord and because of the Lord. Your parents will not always respond to you the way that they ought to respond or the way that you think they should respond. They may yell at times when you don't think they should yell. They may lose their temper and you don't think they should lose their temper. And so the temptation... For you as a child or a teenager would say, well, they're in the wrong in the way that they're acting. So I'm I'm no longer required to listen to what they're saying because they are wrong. They're out of line. But there's no qualification here about you ought to obey as long as their attitude is completely upright and they're acting exactly as they should be. We're obeying in the Lord. Not because your parents 
deserve it, but because God Almighty who commanded it deserves it and expects it and requires it. We are to obey in the Lord. Notice the first, the first reason that's given to obey your parents. For this is right. It's very simple. There's nothing wrong with <clears throat> obeying simply because it's the right thing to do. Simply because it's the upright, moral thing to do. Just because it's the righteous thing to do is to obey. It's not the only reason to do right, but it's a good reason to do right. As Christians, we have a desire to live righteously. There are some things that we do simply because it's right to do it. And there are some things that we don't do simply because it's not right to do those things. You don't have to be bribed to do the right thing by your parents or by your employers or by God. We just do them because they're the right things to do. There are a lot of things in scriptures that are like that. Be kind one to another. That's the right thing to, it's the right thing to do to be kind to one another. And so that's a good reason just to be kind to everyone. We're to love our enemies. We're to pray for those that hurt us and despise us. That's the right thing to do. We may not always want to. We may never want to, but it's the right thing to do. And so we, we do it. We're to pray without ceasing. We, we don't always feel like praying, but that's the command of God. It's the right thing to do is to pray. And so we pray because it is right. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We're not to be drunk with wine, but we're to be filled with the Spirit. It's the right thing to do, and so we do it because it's right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. These are right things commanded by God, and that's reason enough to obey them. But it's not the only reason that we're given. In verse 2, Paul goes a step further beyond obeying your parents, and he says, honor thy father and thy mother. Honor thy father and mother. So not only are children to obey their parents but they're also to honor them. This goes beyond just the action, and it deals with the attitude of the heart, doesn't it? Not just what we do, but what is our mind toward them when we do it. The word honor means to revere, to fix a value upon, to prize. Children are to obey their parents because of the Lord, but they also do it out of honor and respect for their parents. They also obey because they honor and respect the authority that God's put over them. And and just in case you're not convinced that God is serious about this, let me just quote a couple of Old Testament verses from you, for you. Exodus 21, 15 says, He that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Verse 17 of the same chapter, He that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Leviticus 29 says... Everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. So God takes the children respecting their parents seriously. Would you agree with that? He always has. And he still does. And I'll say this again. Parents don't always conduct themselves in a way that is worthy to be honored and worthy to be respected. None of us do. None of us are perfect. But that does not alleviate the child of the responsibility to honor his father and honor his mother and obey his father and mother because God has put them in authority in your life and out of respect and honor and reverence for God who has put them there, you are to respect and honor and revere your parents. Parents aren't perfect. Just like children are not perfect, parents are not 
perfect. Just as children need to repent of their sin, parents need to do the same from time to time, but children are to honor their parents. Because it's right. Because it's righteous. They ought to obey because of the Lord. But we're reminded here that it's also for the benefit of the child to honor his or her father or mother. Verse 2 again. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now what's the promise that he's referring to? Well, he's referring back to Exodus chapter 20 in the law. When the Lord gave the law, the Ten Commandments, the fifth commandment was to honor your father and the mother. Exodus 20.12. Let me move this up a little bit. Exodus 20.12, honor thy father and thy mother. And here's the promise, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So there's this promise given by God to the Israelites when, he, when this commandment's first given for long days for the one who honors his father and mother. And then in verse 3 of the text that we've just been reading in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is writing, honor thy father, verse 2, verse 3, here is the promise again, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So there's a direct correlation between a child's quality of life and even his length of life and his relationship to his mother and his father. A direct, that it may be well with thee. There is a direct correlation between the way that you treat your parents and the quality of life that you live. And even the length of life that you live. And that obviously doesn't mean that every person who dies at a young age is because they were somehow disobedient to their parents or because they were more disobedient than somebody else. But we could all say, we all understand that there are many, many, many cases of people who have, who have died prematurely because they refused to listen to the, 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 the words, the protective words of their parents. And so length of life is affected, but quality of life is affected. And young people, if, if you're living an unhappy life, if you're, if you're unhappy in life, this is a good place to start and say, how is my relationship with my mother? How is my relationship with my father? What kind of honor am I showing them? What kind of, my, what kind of respect am I showing them? How obedient am I being to them? And if you're, li- if, you're, if you're miserable in your life and you're refusing to submit to the authority that God's put over you, then that, that's, that's just a starting point. That's just, we, we ought to start right there and say... I, I'm tired of being unhappy, so I'm going, to, I'm going to start here. I'm going to work on this relationship. More than any other relationship, this is the one that I'm going to work on. That it may be well with thee, he says. So we obey because it's righteous. It's the right thing to do. We obey because of the Lord, because God has put them in, in, in place of authority, and we honor and respect and fear God. But we also obey our parents because it's good for us. The commands of God are not grievous. They're good for us. God doesn't command anything to harm us. But this passage is not just about children. It's about parents as well. Verse number four says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you're a parent, this verse ought to kind of just take hold of you. It ought to grip you when you read it. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Because what it tells me when I read it is when my children 
live in a way and do something in, in such a way that would be displeasing to God when they, when, they're, when they have sinful actions, then often, maybe always, I ought to look in the mirror and say, is there something that I have done or have not done that is, has brought this about in my child's life? Have I somehow provoked them to this anger? Have I somehow provoked them to this wrath? Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Does this, does this ever excuse the actions of children in their sin? Of course not. That's why we had verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and your mother. That's their responsibility. But we also have to say that parents need to look in the mirror and, and sometimes and say, am I doing anything that's provoking my children to wrath, to sin? How would a parent provoke their children to wrath? We might do it by putting unreasonable demands on them. By losing our temper rather than having self-control. By snapping at them. By being quick to, quick to anger. Quick to wrath instead of slow to wrath. By being hypocrites and demanding more of them than we are living out on our own. These are ways that we can provoke our children to wrath. With, with constant sarcasm, with constant negativity. Dads, I think we can provoke our children to wrath by, by the way we treat their mother or by the way we treat their siblings. We could provoke them by our own hypocrisy. There are many ways that fathers and mothers as well, but fathers as mentioned here, can provoke our children to wrath. And just as much as, as, as the Bible says that children ought to obey their parents... It says that fathers must be careful not to provoke our children to wrath, to sin. We have to be on guard against that, parents, especially fathers, especially fathers. Constant negativity, not ever saying anything positive, not ever acknowledging the good, not ever saying I love you, but it's always, always pointing out the flaws, always pointing out the errors. These are ways that we can discourage our children. That's what Colossians 3 says. Colossians 3.21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. We don't want to be discouragements for our children. We have to be on guard against that. But instead, verse 4 goes on to say, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is the contrast. Don't provoke them to anger, but rather bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture has to do with education, or training, molding. Fathers are to be leading the way here, giving instruction. And it's easy, parents, to get so caught up in life and, and work and hobbies and entertainment and all the things that we do in life. It's easy to get so caught up in that that we forget the most important things and training our children, that we have these arrows that we're to shoot out into the world and we're to direct their paths. That's the responsibility of parents, of fathers, to be nurturers, to be molding these children to fear God and to be followers of Jesus Christ. We often think of mothers as the nurturers, but it's interesting here that Paul uses that word for the fathers. It's not the mom's job alone to teach the children. It's not the mom's job alone to teach them right from wrong. And dads are to be instructors. Dads are to be teachers. We're to be nurturers. 
And along with nurturing comes admonition. The other word he mentions here, which means a, a gentle rebuke. It means to warn. So fathers are to lead, they're to instruct, they're to teach, they're to mentor their children, teach them the scriptures, help them to understand, teach them good doctrine. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord because it's right. They're to honor their mother and father. And sometimes the parents then have to admonish them. They have to give them warning and they have to reprove them and rebuke them and get them back on the right path that they were on. Just as much as it's a responsibility of mom and dad to teach them and instruct them initially... It's our responsibility when they go off track to gently admonish them and bring them back to where they ought to be. In love, parents are to be instructors of biblical truth, setting good examples, overseeing the company that they keep, providing for them, praying with them, praying for them, giving warnings, giving correction, discipline as needed. All of these things are the role of the parents. Ensuring that they're faithful to the house of God, and then, and then leading out an example in that. And once again, the motivation is the Lord. It's not showing off, showing how what a good parent I am. It's not even saying I went. It's not even saying I, I didn't have great parents. I want to be better parents than I had. It's not. It's not being out. It's not saying I want to give them more opportunities than I have. Although that may be the case, but it's, it, all of these things are for the glory of God. So we have children, we have parents, fathers, and then in verse 5, servants. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. The servants here are really slaves. Slave, slave owning was, was common in this time, but the principles that follow are easily applicable to any paid employee-employee relationship, as we'll see. And so we're to be obedient to them that are over us in the flesh. So, the, so here he's not referring here to spiritual leaders, spiritual authority, but he's, he's, he's referring to those that are over us in the flesh, in the workplace, in the school, wherever we go, and there are people that are put in authority over us, we're to have a healthy respect for them. And, and once again, there's no qualification here for how much they deserve it, how much they've proven that they deserve our honor. We're just to, I mean, he's talking to slaves and, 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 and slave owners here. And he's saying that you are to honor them with fear and trembling. You're to respect them as unto Christ, he ends that verse with. To serve one's employer well is to serve Christ well. And that ought to be our attitude. And it's that attitude that we really are serving Christ every day when we go to work or every day when we go to school. It's that attitude that we are serving Christ is what will allow us to be righteous employees even if we're serving unrighteous employers. Because ultimately we're not serving them. We're not there for them. We're there for Christ. We're to serve them as unto Christ. It's the same principle that we saw in the child-patient relationship child-parent relationship, that we honor and obey those, not because they're deserving of it in their deeds, but because it's God that placed them there. It's God that placed us here, and we're going to honor God and honor our Savior by honoring the one that he's put over us. Not with eye service, verse 6 says, as men-pleasers. That's not our goal, just to please the boss. But as servants of Christ, 
knowing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord. He's repeating himself, not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Doing service well as to the Lord and not to men. He's talking about work in the flesh, servants in the flesh. You may never be a paid pastor or missionary or church secretary or custodian, but you know, no matter where you work, you are a servant of Christ. You are serving, you're, you're doing service to the Lord, for the Lord. That's exactly what he says in verse 7. You're doing service as to the Lord. And so whoever signs your check when you go to work, you're to serve them just as you would serve Christ. Just as if the Lord Jesus Christ was coming in and, and walking by your workplace every day, that's the way you were to serve the Lord. And whatever place of employment you're in, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's, it's a very broad spectrum here. All the time, doing our best, no matter who's watching, not with eye service as men pleasers, but knowing that God is always watching. And then he moves on to employers. Masters, actually. We're related to employers. Ye masters, verse 9, do the same things unto them. Forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. So masters, he said, he gives the same admonition to rule over them in love. In love, with patience. In the same way that our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, is over us in love and patience and mercy, we're to instruct those that we have authority over. He's a good master, and we're to be good rulers to those that we have authority over. And again, that could be in any any place where you have any authority whatsoever, this can be applied to you, whether it's in school or whether it's in at home or whether it's in your place of employment outside of these walls. If you have any authority, then this is the attitude that you ought to go into work with. Forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither respective persons with him. We're to treat one another the way we've been treated, not, not the way that we have been treated by our employer or, 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 by, or by our colleagues or by anybody, but rather we're to be treat them the way that our master has treated us. That's the, that's the point that he's trying to make. You're, you're masters. You have a master in heaven. Treat your slaves the way that you've been treated. Forbearing, threatening. Threats are not, threats are not a good way to rule. A good employer, a good ruler... A good supervisor, if, if, if a good parent is not always dishing out threats all the time. If that's the way that you're getting things done is by constantly putting out threats to your kids and to your people that are working under you, then that's not going to be a very good environment. We might call that a hostile, envir a hostile environment or a hostile workplace. That's not the way that we're... He says forbearing threatening. That's not the way we're supposed to be, breathing out threats. We're to treat one another equally, not having favorites, honoring everybody just as Christ does. Neither is there respected persons with him. So really, these nine verses really do kind of hit everybody. Parents, children, those, those going to work for somebody else or going to school, those over the uh, classroom, those over the in a supervisory position, whoever you are, this kind of applies to you. And, and, we, and we really just see instructions on how to live for every area. And, and there's something that each of them 
has in common. There's a common thread that's running through each one of these areas of life, and, and that is that all of them are directly affected by our relationship with Christ. Our relationship with God affects our relationships with everybody else. And we're to live every single area of life with a desire not just to please that person, but we're to live every area of life and we're to, we're to approach every relationship with the desire to please our Savior. I want to I turn over to Colossians chapter 3. I quoted from it earlier. This is really a kind of a parallel passage. Uh, just a couple of books to your right. Colossians chapter 3. And, and this uh, section really further emphasizes the point that all that we to, are to do, we're to do for the Lord and because of the Lord and with the help of the Lord. And as I read these verses, beginning in verse number 18, I, I want us to notice the emphasis of the Lord in each relationship. It's not just a command about uh, how we are to act, but Paul shows us the importance of the Lord in each relationship. So, so Colossians chapter 3, verse number 18. Let's back up in verse uh, 17. Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, again, all-encompassing, whatever you do, whatever you say, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then he gets real practical. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. All these relationships, all of them were to approach heartily as to the Lord, knowing that we serve the Lord Christ. The key to every single one of these relationships, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm sure we would all say that we have some room to grow, as children, I'm sure all of our young people would admit I'm not always the perfect child. Parents, I'm sure we would all admit I'm not always the perfect parent. Those of you that are going to work tomorrow, somewhere, you would say I'm not always the perfect employee. But the key to all of these relationships, being a good son or daughter, being a good husband, being a good wife, being a good father, being a good mother, being a good student, being a good employer, the key to all of them is not just to work harder or try harder, but rather it's to have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and then allow that to flow out into all of these other relationships that we're involved in. 
to honor and respect God as we should. And if we honor and respect God as we should, then we will honor and respect our boss as we should. And we'll honor and respect our teacher as we should. And we'll honor and respect our parents as we should. If we fail to honor and respect all of these other people in our lives, it's really an indicator that there's something wrong with our relationship to our Heavenly Father. Because those relationships all are an overflow of our relationship with the Lord. So we strive to please Him first. And then as we please Him, it will affect our other relationships. Parents, when we're instructing our children, how much of our instruction to them has to do with their relationship to the Lord? It should. If they're to obey their parents in the Lord, how are they to do that? They cannot do it outside of the Lord. Our instruction ought to have not just you need to do this and you need to stop doing that and that's going to hurt you and you're going to ruin your life if you keep doing that. But it ought to be because of the Lord. Our focus should not just be on their rebellion. It should not just be on all the things that I've given up for you, kid. It should not just be on I've sacrificed so much for you. How can you act this way to me, but it ought to be on their relationship with the Lord. The foundation of Christian living isn't our own goodness, but it's the goodness of God that spills out of us. And really, it goes back to the gospel and Christ's work on the cross, because it's only when a child really understands all that Christ has done for them. It's only, when, it's only when a child understands that they've been saved by the grace of God and, 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 and all that God has, the mercy that God has had on them, that they have a desire to serve Him. It's the same with us. We serve Him, be, we love Him because He first loved us. Christ gave His life for us, and now we have a desire to live for Him. He, we didn't love him first. This, this desire to please God doesn't come out of nowhere. It doesn't, it doesn't just appear and we expect everybody. That's why we have no expectations on the lost world to, to reverence God. Because the starting point is, is salvation. It's the gospel. It's, it's, it's the fact that Jesus Christ loved the world so much that he gave uh, everything, came to this earth, took our sins upon his body died on the cross because of what you and I did, raised from the dead. Now we can be victorious Christians, and we can live a victorious life because of what he did. Because he had mercy on us, now we can have mercy on others. Parents, the greatest source of our mercy for our children ought to be understanding the mercy that God had on us and continues to have toward us every single day of our lives. And if we don't have a proper understanding of God's mercy to us, then we're not going to be merciful to others. If we don't have a proper understanding of, of God's authority, young people, then you're not going to have a proper understanding of your own parents' authority. Paul said, in me, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. We cannot do these things on our own. We cannot be the parents or children that we ought to be on our own, but through the power of God, through the power of the re our resurrected Savior, we can do all things. And, and all of us want stronger families. Not a person here, not a person here, there's not one single person here who would say, my family is as strong as it could possibly be. My relationship with my husband or my wife is 
perfect, never a problem. My children, it's like I just, I, I just think something and they do it. I don't have to even tell them. They're just so obedient. I, just, I walk by and they just somehow know and they do it. Probably not. There's no parents, there's no children that just say, man, my parents are just, every day they're so awesome. And they're just they're always smiling and telling me how amazing I am. Like every, all of us understand that we have, we have relationships that can be stronger. And we want our family relationships to be stronger. Not, not that we have bad, um, you know, parent-child relationships maybe. Maybe not bad marriages. I don't, I don't know your families, but all of us want to strengthen them. Our church needs stronger families. Our society needs stronger families. Our country needs that. But they won't be strengthened without some intentionality. And, and the best thing that we can do, reading books is good, and listening to podcasts about strengthening families and marriage, those, that's good. Going to seminars, th- th- these are good things. But the very best thing that we can do to strengthen our relationships with one another is to strengthen our relationship with God. That's the best thing. If you have trouble with authority... You need to start with rectifying the authority problem between you and God, because there is one. If you have a problem with your spouse or with your children, it begins with our relationship with the Lord, and we need to start there. Drawing near to Him, as we just sung, and He'll draw near to us. Each one of these things, children, obey your parents in the Lord, fathers, Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Employees, servants, submit to, one, to your authority as to Christ, Paul said. Those of you that are in places of authority, do the same unto them, showing mercy, knowing that your master in heaven is not a respecter of person. All these things were to look to Christ. He's our example. He's our example. And we follow Christ, we, are, we draw near to him, we, 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 we strengthen our relationship with him, and as a result, every other area will be affected. It will be good for our homes, it will be good for our churches, it will be good for our nation. Don't give up on your relationships. Don't ever give up. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your parents. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your wife. Don't give up on your boss. Don't give up. There's hope. And the hope is in Christ. It begins there, in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And all of us are involved in many relationships and many different parts of our lives. And, God, we have a desire to have stronger families and stronger homes. And, Lord, we know that that's only possible with you. And we ask for your help tonight. Lord, I pray for families here, for children, for teenagers, for parents who are struggling, who, are, who have struggles at home and who have tension at home. That's been building. Lord, I pray that, God, you would begin to 
just bring some harmony to the home, Lord, that individual family members would, would look to you and would have a desire, Lord, to become more of a friend to you first. And the result of that, Lord, would be a miracle in the families. We know that you're able, and God, I just pray that you'd help us to humble ourselves tonight, humble ourselves under your authority, and allow you to do a work within us. As the piano plays...